1: Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. Kay Murray, Shaka Hislop, and Stevie Nittle here in the studio. And just when we thought it was going to be a quiet <laughs> Thursday edition, the European Super League has resurfaced. Uh, there are uh, new proposals. Like the
2: Loch Ness Monster, this oh, thing. Sorry. Did ever learn?
1: Here's how things are looking right now with uh, a fresh, a fresh update, shall we say? 60 to 80 teams across multiple divisions. It would be an open competition based solely on sporting merit from domestic leagues so that means there would be no permanent member clubs and it would be a minimum of 14 games per club per season julian laurent is joining us now because we have a lot to unpack when it comes to today's news so let's get talking about this it's back again jules what's going on here
3: Yes, Astro is back again. Like we expected them at some point to come up with a new version of the Super League, of course, A22, which is the um, the company, if you want, the group that was formed by Barcelona, Real Madrid and Juventus to uh, you know to be the the face of the project, if you want, and come up and do a lot of interviews. And they they're everywhere today, and they will be tomorrow as well, to put forward this new project or certainly the new version of it to try to make it more likable. Basically, remember your fans hated the, the first version of the Super League, the, the closed leagues, only for the, for the, you know, for the European top dogs, the biggest clubs, blah, 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 all of that. Well, it's not the case. Look, we're opening it up. It's more democratic. It's for everybody. You go up and down the leagues. You qualify through your domestic league. So it's not direct... All of that, which in the end, like La Liga has put it, let's not be fooled by this new version because actually it's the same ideas as before, they're just trying to make it more likeable.
1: Jules, is there a hint of sarcasm from you there?
3: Not really. I just think, like, you know, what, what they've put forward, so for the, the 10 principles that they put forward today is very much what the new format of the Champions League really, which is going to start in 2024 is about um, you don't see the, dif- for the difference how they differentiate themselves at the Super League they want a minimum of 14 games per team I mean where do you fit those games already the players are overplayed they complain that they're playing too much and you want to add even more games uh, into this competition 14, 14 more games per club is a lot trust me is a lot for those European ones how is that going to work with the domestic league so they still So many questions, and it's just another way for the Super League to try to come back onto the agenda.
1: Uh, Jules, you did mention La Liga there. La Liga and its president, Javier Tebas, have condemned the new proposals. This is La Liga's response to the ESL proposal, saying, We are aware that A22, the Super League promoters, are pushing a story today, presenting a manifesto with ten principles. Our response, don't let them fool you. They've been telling tales for many years. This is just the latest attempt by big clubs to hijack European football. Javier Tebas putting out (laughs) this little picture here and said the Super League is the wolf who today disguises himself as a granny to try to fool European football. But his nose and teeth are very big. Four divisions in Europe, of course, the first for them, as in the 2019 reform. Government of the clubs, of course, only the big ones. And then there's news today as well, Jules, that Tebas has excluded Real Madrid and Barcelona from TV negotiations. So because of this, because of the Super League and their ties to it. So where is this going to leave La Liga and its top two teams?
3: I mean, that's a fa- for me, that's the most fascinating aspect of today, is that the, um, the the battle, really, or the fight, let's say, between La Liga and Javier Tebas, especially, and Real Madrid and Barcelona, Joan Laporta and Florentino Perez, is that it's... It's escalated even more. It's, the st- it's a step up now, because for them too to be expelled from those group meetings, not being able to vote, by the way, this is what also has been taken away from them. It's quite serious. We knew that there's been a tension for a long time now between between them three, and it's it's even bigger now. So I don't know where this is going to lead. I mean, La Liga can't, can't really do without Real Madrid and Barcelona. Real Madrid and Barcelona obviously need La Liga too. and um, So this... That, that this mini-war between them is not good. It's not good for anyone. It's not good for, for the clubs. It's not good for La Liga either. It's not a good look for Javier Tebas, for the clubs too. So this is also the issue created by the Super League, is that you, you, you will face and you will be the opposition against your own league. And that's what we saw very vividly, of course, in England, when the English clubs were involved in the first version of the Super League and the, the backlash that, that happened with, with their own leagues and with their, their own fans as well.
1: Uh, Yeah, you mentioned the Premier League teams there, Jules. It seems as though they've kept a distance from these new proposals here. But if Manchester City is to get sanctioned, could things change there?
3: Maybe, yes. I mean, it's hard to tell now, of course. We need to wait and see what the sanctions, if sanctions they are or they will be against City, what what they will be and then what decisions City can take. I think there's could you have a risk of having what's happening in golf, for example, and a, a proper divide between Liv and, and the rest of the circuit, you know, and the rest of the uh, the PGA too, and and the majors and stuff like that within European football as well? So some play the Champions League, some play the Super League, and, and you have some top clubs in one, some top clubs in the other. I don't know if that's possible. Uh, UFR, as we know, can can obviously block, and we know there's also a... Uh, currently, a court trial and you know trial going on, and, and we're waiting for the court, like the the European Court of Justice to uh, to have a say about the first version of the Super League and what what UEFA can do or can't do to block it and to oppose it. So that will also be interesting to to follow. But today was clearly. Uh, a bit of a seduction move by the Super League and A22 to say, look, we've changed, we've evolved, this is, we're not the big bad wolf that we used to be before and what we wanted to uh, to impose on European football. Now it's a little bit different. It's something that you might like and you might fancy and all of this, which let's, let's wait and see the response of the club. And we already had the response from the F- FSA here in England that was very, very against that new version. So it's still a long, long way for the Super League clubs and especially the three main ones to to be accepted and, and, and for that second version to be uh, to be maybe considered.
1: Uh, meanwhile, while we are focusing on the city of Manchester, Jules, let's talk about Manchester United. What's the latest on talks of uh, Qatari ownership there?
3: Well, that was the big news from yesterday, really, that all the noise from Qatar saying that there's a, there's a consortium from there. Not. Uh, in, not linked or not in relation with the uh, the Qatari royal family and the Emir who owns PSG and we should remind everybody that you, you, you can own multiple clubs but you can't, have, you can't own two clubs in the same European competition, so for example if you own PSG and Manchester United both of them can't be in the Champions League the same season, it's not possible so this group from Qatar apparently which I find it hard to believe it's got nothing to do with QSI who owns PSG, nothing to do with the royal family which Again, there's not, there's not that many people in Qatar uh, to start with. There's not that many people who can invest $4 billion in a football club. So let's wait and see. But, yeah, they seem to be ready uh, to make an offer. Offers have to be in before February 17th. We know that Jim Radcliffe, who owns Nice, is also a candidate, or, or we believe he is. There's, there's, I think, a lot of consortiums all around the world who, are, who have shown interest to the rain group, who are the group in charge of selling the club. Um, uh, so we will have to see after February 17th who has come forward who has put an offer in and let's remind everybody as well that Manchester United has said like listen we have an open mind here we might sell we might just not sell we might take minority shareholders minority investment in the club I think the door is open for many many things so the next step is see who is in and who wants to bid for the club and after that the Glazers will decide
1: something else we'll have to see while well, we've got you Jules is whether Lionel Messi will be available for PSG's meeting with Bayern Munich coming up in the Champions League just a reminder of the odds Bayern coming to this one as favorite so the word is that Messi's a doubt due to an injury he picked up following that Coupe de France defeat what's the latest Jules
3: Yeah the club telling me that he's out for the game on Saturday at Monaco uh, with a like hamstring strain he had scans to the done today it seems too serious and that the club and Messi is still hopeful that he can play against Bayern Munich on Tuesday, although I don't think they would risk him. Uh there's big games to come, more big games in the league, and then obviously the second leg against Bayern Munich. Um but it doesn't seem that it's too bad and too serious. However The Bayern game is on Tuesday. It's very, very close. So, no Messi on Saturday for sure, which is already a blow because this is a huge game against Monaco for PSG, especially after last night's defeat. And then for Bayern, we will have to see the evolution of his injury in the next two to three days. And then Galtier and Messi will have to make a decision whether he can play or not. But even if he could play, even if he could start that game, he would not be 100%, which is already in itself a a big blow for PSG when you know that Kylian Mbappe is also out for that game.
1: Uh, and with that in mind, guys, do you think that PSG can still beat Bayern if it is that these two are out of this game?
2: They can. Mm-hmm. Uh, am, I, am I going to be putting a bet on it? Absolutely not. Listen, I, I think you take Kylian Mbappe and, and Lionel Messi out of any team. E- even a team as stacked, and, and I know PSG have some injury issues right now, but even at their best, a, a team has stacked as stacked as PSG, you take just those two players out. That, that's a lesser, lesser version of whatever that team is. And up against a team like Bayern, who um, they've not been in sparkling form themselves, have found some form over, over the last few days. I don't know if that's enough to, to bank on, but just you, you have to fancy Bayern. You, 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 cannot, you cannot see how PSG fills a void left by, by. You can't see how anybody fills a void left by those two. And, and so that plays perfectly into the hands of Bayern Munich. Stevie? You know, I've always betting against PSG
4: when it's come to a big game in the Champions League. And so far, the majority of the time, I've been absolutely spot on. And yet again, they've got injuries going into a big Champions League game. Normally it's Neymar. Now you're talking Messi and Mbappe. I, I don't see how... I don't see how Bayern don't win this tie, particularly Messi and Mbappé not playing. Um, I don't trust PSG, even with all the players. So,
1: Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
5: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search. Match and listeners of this show will get a seventy-five dollar sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply, need to hire, you need Indeed. I'm sorry, I, I don't see a buy and lose.
1: It's great to get that confidence, isn't it, Jules, from the panel here today.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my Is friends. You- I mean you can always rely on your friends. It's the, you know, that's, that's what they're friends for. Don't, don't worry, you've, oh, you've, always, you've got
2: the Hold Super League on. to look forward to, Jules. Hey, hey, are you friends with us? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness, Jules.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Who needs to <laughs> Jules does have a friend on the Gab and Jules podcast. On all of yeah. these topics on the oh, latest wait. edition, make sure to go and check that out wherever you do get your podcasts. Manchester United had to battle back from a two-goal deficit on Wednesday to draw 2-2 with Leeds in the Premier League. Erik ten Hag was not happy with how his side started each half. Here's what he had to say:
6: If you start each half the way we did, it's unacceptable. You concede two goals and then you have to run behind the facts, and that's really frustrating and unacceptable. Each half, we are not ready. And I started my talk I- in half time with, hey, come on, guys, we are not ready. Make sure when we go out for the second half, we are ready, make it equalise, and then you will win the game. But then in the second half, is the same. And you concede so quickly a goal because the opponent, his front foot is aggressive, uh, is winning j- uh, challenges, and th- that's the point that's most where I'm disappointed about, that we lose all the battles uh, in the first minutes, of each half.
1: And let's now welcome in Mario Melchiot to talk more about this. Mario, i start straight away with you. Who's at fault when a team does start slowly in a game? Is it the players who are out there on the field or is it the coach for not inspiring them to do so?
6: It's a little bit of both. I mean, look, we go on the field so the, the coach gives you all the information and you try to perform as good as you can when you come on. Uh, knowing that you have a coach like Ten Hag, he looks at the little details. The key thing is when he looks at the little details are the things that he prepped right before the game and you kick on. But you clearly could see what happened, you know, like uh, before we even know, <laughs> the game kicked off and they were one nil down. I mean, that was really quick. Like I watched that game and I'm like, wow, that's really quick. Then the next thing, what he just said, halftime. So he probably had a go in uh, in the dressing room like every coach would. And then the second thing happens, you could see again. And I think sometimes when it, when it comes to football games, you try your best, but moments like this, you, you don't expect them to happen really quickly. He strikes, boom, now you are behind. And this gives the confidence to a team that's actually changed so many things. Eh? If you look at the lead side, you understand, new coach, new things have to happen. I mean, they, they're still working on building this team to get it to where they would like it to be. But still, this will do a lot of confidence or good to the confidence of the players. And I think uh, that was one of the key things that um, he jumped on. But also, you have to remember, that right, coaches are always the same. They will always say, even if he would have won that game, he would have still said, like, oh, there are little details and stuff, because they never want you to get carried away when you're winning. Stevie, give us the coach's perspective
1: on this, on this slow start to a game or a half.
4: He's figuring out why. Because he told you. He told them. <laughs> I mean, you can't... Sometimes you can't do anything but tell them. And you can't do it for them. And that's the frustrating thing. But I think what it does is it tells you that as good as Man United have become under Ten Hag, they're not there yet. Because the best teams have the mentality and they understand how important it is that you do start the game properly. Whether it's the first half or the second half. So, yes, they've improved, no question. But mentality-wise, they're not there yet. Because if you're you're challenging for the Premier League or the Champions League or any of the big prizes, you have to be at it all the time. And you don't don't get second chances. And And so that's the problem for me. It's mentality. They haven't got that that
2: killer mentality yet. The thing is for me, listen, there's some unspoken rules in football. One of them being you go away to some place like Old Trafford, you keep things tight for the first 15 minutes, you don't make any mistakes, you don't give the crowd or the team anything to go on. I I think the other side of that same coin is you come up against a team who's just lost their manager, who has an interim or a few interims, as as the case may have been, judging by by the sidelines of that Leeds game, And you know what to expect. You know how they're going to start because all of a sudden these players who've been failing all season long are given opportunities to pretty much play for their careers. So be careful because they're going to come out of the blocks. That's even though you're Manchester United and even though it's Old Trafford, just be careful with what you do. And both goals come from Manchester United just not taking care of the ball, just not respecting who leads can be. And so I, I am sympathetic with Ten Hag's frustrations because, okay, even if he didn't say that before the game, he says it at halftime, and you see what happens moments in, into into the second half again. And this is just about this is just about understanding the moment and asking for somebody to to be a leader. I, I as much as Casemiro was 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 missing, I don't think he is the reason that that Manchester United somehow forgot. Again, those unwritten rules of the game. But that is something that, it, that those players have to be more careful and wary of um, with each game. It's, you're not just playing the team. You're not just playing the position. You're, you're playing what's going on with that club. And Leeds, as, as I mentioned, very different from what, what you'd come to expect
6: weeks, weeks leading up.
1: How good actually are Manchester United then, Mario.
6: Yeah, just what the guy said. You know, like uh, I think they had a, they they got a good run, right? They, they, they. I think the confidence is higher than what it was before. Everybody can see that. But the only thing is now is that how long can you sustain and how far can you push? Okay, we know the city situation, so they're probably waiting for the answer too because they are clearly in the same city and they would love to get one over them. Okay, then they they eventually Ten Hag will never say that to the public. He never say that to the to the press. But you think it's are not watching Arsenal and see what they are doing. You know, when they lost the game, then he's, he's hoping that, can we get closer? So now, this game comes up and then his team is not performing? Yeah. Clearly, he he's going to sit in the dressing room and he's going to think, I know how, how he is about prepping his games. When one game is finished, then Haag is already thinking about the next game. Because I, literally, when I was back home, I was sitting with someone that was working with him closely and told me, like, he had to send in the tactical form to Ten Hag the moment the other game was finished, they're in the bus, going back. He wants the new team coming in. So he is already thinking about how can I get closer to Arsenal? I know talking about them winning the league, that may be a big shout, but talking about them getting closer than what they have now, yeah, he's focusing on that, but he doesn't want performances like this.
4: He, do- he knows they're not close to City and Arsenal, really.
6: How far you- off are they? Well,
4: how many games have Manchester United completely dominated sides this season? I don't remember many. You know, they're winning by a goal here and a goal there. And yes, they're picking up points and they're winning games. And we sit here and go, well, it's all about winning a game. But the truth is, they don't dominate games the way that City and Arsenal do. They just just don't. And so the fact that Ten Hag's gone out his way at half-time to talk about how they start the game... Tells you that he understands where they are. He's not going to tell the public where they are, and he's not going to say to his players where they are. But if he's the the great coach that we think he is, he knows.
2: He knows there's still a, a, a ways to go. It's a weird season to be to be judging Manchester you now, anybody else against against the best in, in the league right now. Arsenal have been have been outstanding. Okay, they, they lost against Everton uh, on the weekend, so maybe not a great time to to, to make that that parallel. But City have not been anywhere near as good as, as they have been by, by their own measure over the last few seasons. Spurs hasn't been that good. Newcastle were in the bottom three this time last season. Brighton, all of a sudden, are just outside the, the top four looking in. So, while you ask how, how good are Manchester United, um, they're certainly good enough to, to finish top four. They're certainly, they're right now, good enough to give the, the top two... Or at least keep them looking over, looking over their shoulders... But they're still a long way from the Manchester United that Stevie and I knew. They're still a long way from where many of those fans expect Manchester United to be. But you can say that about so many of the other clubs in that top six, top eight. Okay, so that's fair enough. But when it comes,
1: go on.
4: Even the ones that are not in the top six or the top eight.
1: <laughs> no, okay, so just before we do move on to talk about this, a positivity from this game. Who are the closer to though? That top two that they're right next to in Arsenal and Manchester City, are the likes of a Liverpool and a Chelsea who they're no, the, many yeah. points are Yeah, top
4: absolutely. Yeah. Well, they're consistent. Yeah. Well, they're consistent. yeah. I, I'm I'm telling you, they're not dominating teams, but I'll tell you what, they're consistent. No. Every time mm-hmm. you step on the field, you pretty much know what you're getting. And, and it's, just, it's just not the heights that City have hit and the heights that Arsenal have hit this year, but the, for consistency, a level of consistency, the way ahead of the other teams.
1: And now Jaden Sancho's coming back into the fold, so if there is a positive to be taken from this yeah. game, it has to be the fact that he was the hero for yeah. them, saving them a point with a goal in the 70th minute. How important is he for the rest of the season, Mario, for Manchester United?
6: I think it's very important. Why? Because, you know, this is a young kid that came from from Germany, and um, we all, you know, had the feeling of, I myself, I had the feeling this was going to be really the best move for Man United, getting him in, he was going to take it by storm. And things didn't go as well as he planned. But then the answer to what happened to him, uh, you know, like uh, the way he prepped for the game and mentally how he felt about it, it's a sad situation because I think people sometimes underestimate the, the, the pressure and the, the, the performance level that we have to achieve to keep being at the top. And I think he came out and clearly opened up and said, like, look, I need time for myself. I need to focus on my mental strength and making sure that I'm ready to perform those games. And I don't know what people out there and say, like, oh, this is a normality. When you're playing at that level, you should be able and you're earning that kind of money. But guys, you're still a human being. So that's why I felt sorry for him. I'm happy that he scored. And of course, don't get me wrong. I would love to see him perform because, talently, when he was at his best, especially when he was in Germany, oh my God, this guy was incredible. Especially playing also for the national team of England, the way he was performing. So for him to score a goal again yesterday and making sure that they they tied the game, I think it was very important and could help the team too in moving forward. In saying, because there's a lot of pressure is going to come on Rashford. He's performing but you don't want it to be a one-man show, like the guys already said. There were days when we came to Man United. I'm telling you, I would walk on the field and I was nervous. And I don't know if those days are back yet. It would appear as well, at
1: 23 years old, Jaden Sancho's got a great coach mm. to deal with him now with the with the issues that he's had off the pitch as well at the moment. Yeah. Eric Ten Hag seems to have been dealing with this perfectly so far.
2: Listen, Eric Ten Hag has been dealing with everything perfectly so far, not just Jaden Sancho or anything else. I... I He's done an incredible job so far. Mm-hmm. And, and, and listen, And as far as Jaden Sancho goes, you're happy for him, right? I, I, I think we underestimate the psychological toll it takes on players, particularly young players, when you aren't performing, when there's a lot of expectation on you and, and you don't deliver. Um, so to see him back, to see him feature, to see him find the back of the net is great. I, and, and you're absolutely delighted for him as an individual. But it is one game. It is one goal. No questions about the goalkeeper, despite what Stevie is trying to say to yes, me. Yes, Stevie. <laughs>
0: yeah, <love> yeah. <laughs> no questions about Mesley there. Yeah.
2: Never mind that. I, um, so, so from a big picture or professional perspective or from a neutral perspective, you say, happy for you, but you know, let's, we, we're not going to get overly carried away here. But if you're asking somebody to come back from a disappointing time, if they do get in, in, involved and they score a goal, that, that's all you could ask of them for right now, and to continue to, to build on it? Because, as I say, we, we can all sympathise with some of the difficulties of being out and struggling. I, th- I think, and as former players,
4: sometimes we are probably worse than other people mm. at forgetting, you know, because you go through things that every other family goes through, and I know that it's not really something I've given anybody any leeway for. You know, because they earn hundred grand a week and because they play for the best team in the land or the biggest club in the land, they're no different at the end of the day off the field than anybody else. And it just, it just should remind us all that we all have stuff and that it's too easy to just think they've got so much money and they play for this club or that club. And I think sometimes a Jaden Sancho coming along reminds everybody that it is a game of football, and actually there are other things that are mm-hmm. more important.
6: That's
1: true. I did say yes. mention a quick I, one, I one on Leeds. I very deep from I Steve know, it's very oh. sweet from <laughs> <and> Stevie <laughs> Michael, wasn't it? I then? felt that
6: one too. I felt
0: it.
1: <laughs> what a sweetheart he is. This is the Stevie we all know and love. <laughs> Leeds United, though, put up a good fight, didn't they, Mario? Why do we see this? I mean, it's, what's this like? The caretaker-manager bounce, can we say? Why does this happen?
6: It's always, you know, when a new new situation happens at your club, and I don't want to look, I don't want to look down on Jesse Marsh, but okay, we have to remember, he took over the team, uh, the first game, I think he lost 1-0. And the last game, he, he lost 1-0. So those things are already book-adding. Book so now you get, a, you get a team that now has to perform because they have to make sure that they stay in that team. Eh? Because you as an individual, because it happened to me a couple of times when I was playing when a new coach came, you could see the guys that thought they were not part of the group They, oh, they lift off because they are feeling like, oh, I can play again. I can be part of it again. And regardless of what they pick, they still have the hope. And, of course, look, they have a big change. You understand, McKinney, when he came over, you come over for your new coach. And then you see the change happen. And then you play in the middle of the park. I have to say, when I was watching the game, the way he plays, he brought ease to that team, not on his own only, but I could see that he, he was bringing something that the team didn't have and what the team needed. A little bit more calm, a bit more confidence in themselves. And of course, they liked the high-pressing game. They did it with Jesse Moore, but they did it against Menu again. And it worked this time. This time it worked. That pressing, the aggressivity, and the way they came about the game, that was what they needed. And that's why I felt like they, they started on the front foot and... They were happy that Man United was re- wasn't was ready for having such a reaction from a, a team like Leeds.
1: Meanwhile, Mario, Pierre-Emerick Bamiang has been linked to LAFC. <laughs> I mean, what's happened to a player like uh, Bamiang here, Mario? He, he can't even get into a team who need a striker.
6: Yeah, but I saw him coming on in the game when he came on um, uh, when I was in, in London uh, against Palace. And... It didn't look like it was the happy Aubameyang. You know, like, we know Aubameyang from his great times when he was at Arsenal. We couldn't dispute that. Towards the end, things changed. You know, Ateta and him, the relationship broke down. Okay, he goes to Barcelona, you know, had some glimpses. But we also have to remember, eh? Aubameyang is getting older, too. And the, 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 the spark that he had, the, 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 the speed, the intelligence, the way he was playing his game, the way we know him from Germany, things like that, have slightly changed. And now it comes down to Aubameyang, his own character. What do you want to achieve? Do you still want to give it another push? Are you okay with the level that you are right now? And that's why if he goes to LAFC, it's not a great, it's not a bad city because I'm there myself. But away from that, I'm saying to you, if he comes here, they have a certain plan because I've been a couple of times to the ground and speaking to some of the guys that are in charge they're very uh, focused on um, getting certain players in, but it's more based on a certain age group. So for them to go after him is a big surprise for me because normally they go about a certain age group, like around the 24th age. Why? Because then they can develop those players. Aubameyang, you're not going to develop. It's either he brings the good for you from the get-go, and if not, it's going to be a sad story. So I hope they look do it really well.
1: Would that be a good move for him, do you think, Stevie, to come to MLS?
4: Well, he'll score goals. And I guess it depends on him, if he's yeah. if he's if he's got the desire, and he looks after himself and doesn't take advantage of all the all the things available to you uh, down in LA. Mario. Ma- yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> Nights nice yeah, out with Mario. As long as he keeps away from Mario, that's
7: the start. <laughs> <laughs> but, my yeah. time is over. Trust me, my yeah. time is over.
1: <laughs> well, Mario sold it, as you know. As I'm here, so yeah, that's that's one good thing.
2: <laughs> that, that Barry's there yeah. that, that's, right. <laughs> that's
1: it <laughs> sold <laughs> uh, I will leave it at that shall we yeah, but, but do tell us the stories if he comes to LAFC Mario we'll be, we'll be waiting to you hear here on ESG sure. LFC uh, Diego Cocker has been reported to be the next Mexico national team manager the 50 year old Argentine would replace Tata Martino at the helm of El Tri and they'll be discussing all of this and a lot more on the latest Football Americas which is available now and every week on ESPN Plus. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled, and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot
0: Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network.
1: Let's take a look at the bottom half of the Premier League right now because there's lots of big refereeing decisions we'd like to pick apart. And to do so, we are going to welcome in Mark Clattenburg. We've missed you, Mark.
0: Where is he?
4: Yeah. There he yeah. is. Oh, oh, where is his oh, 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 Question. Oh,
2: oh,
6: oh. <laughs> <laughs> Please.
1: We missed him, Mario. Let
6: him bring it. <laughs> I him so much Mark, Mark. You know, man. Hey, me and you. Come on, let's see it. <laughs> God.
4: <laughs> All right,
6: let's
1: let, let's get started then because we've got a few a few pointers to pick up on. We're going to start with the Chelsea, uh, sorry, the Manchester United Leeds game. We're going to pick up that Martinez foul on Patrick Bamford. Shaka, yesterday you were absolutely convinced this was a red. We'll get to that in just a moment. The Sandro Martinez on Patrick Bamford. What did you make of this, Mark?
7: Yeah, listen, when I watched it live, I thought you know what, it's just a tangle of players. The more I watch it, the more I watch it in slow motion, you can more guide yourself towards a red card. Does Martinez know what he's doing? Yes, he does. But when you start to analyze it from a refereeing point of view, is the malice, is the force, is the, um, you know, when we analyse the intention, what does he want to do, the force, I don't think it ticks all the boxes, but Martinez knows what he's doing. But it just doesn't go towards what we see as a red
6: card.
1: Mario, you look perplexed. What's the matter?
6: If he said red card, I would go lots. I would say, no, this is football. We give a reaction to, to football, and I totally understand. Look, this is also, we have to also remember, we're playing in England, guys. You know, you fall down. He's not looking at him, eh, Martinez? He's not. Look at the the eyes of Martinez. He maybe leaves his foot there, but he does not look at him. So it's not like he's going for his face or trying to hit him there. But the only thing also we have to remember, eh, Bamford is a kid that grew up in England. So he must ah, know. You're going for the ball. The ball is there. If the ball is free, it's 50-50. We both should go for it.
1: But then, then the little afters though—the kick out there, Mario. That's what, what a is,
4: kick out.
1: Well, a little, what for sticking his foot in his mouth? It's not, a,
2: it's not a kick out. That's, no, He doesn't yeah, kick I don't out. Agree. I I, listen. I—that's not a kick out. I'm, I'm that's like, a kick out. The
1: cleat sandwich. <laughs> I'm, 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 it's, it's I'm like around. Mark.
2: I'm like Mark. And you know, the first time I saw it, I thought ah, I was not a whole, whole lot doing it. First replay, I uh-huh. thought, oh, that's right, that's right on the edge. And the more mm. I saw, the more, the more I, I just thought it, it, it looked. More and more like a red. And, and to, to, to Mario's point, he's not really looking at him. He's not looking he doesn't him. have to. He knows exactly where Bamford is. To, to Mark's point about, um, about malice, about if Casemiro was a red for having hands to face for a moment, if that was a red, then I, I, I don't see how you make the argument that the bottom of a, of, of a cleat to somebody's jaw (laughs) is okay.
1: (laughs) Let's bring up that Casemiro on (laughs) then. While we've got Mark here with us, let's bring up that Casemiro incident against Crystal Palace, if we can, uh, against Will Hughes, wasn't it, with his hands around his neck. Mark, should it have been a red that it was? Uh,
7: I say I'm really interested in this because when you watch it from one angle, it looks like he's got his hands around the throat of Will Hughes. Then you look from another angle. Is he grabbing the shoulder? Is he grabbing the collar of the shirt? And this is the other argument. The problem I've got... The referee <laughs> doesn't see this. No, no but like the referee it. doesn't it see this. No, no. Listen, the referee doesn't see this. What I've got an argument is, what the VR does, he only shows him what he wants to see. I only not he shows everything that happens in this incident if you follow the guidelines that we are as referees, if you grab somebody around the collar, the throat, it'll always be a red card. But I don't think you see the full picture of this event because, for me, you could argue, has he got his arms on his shoulder, his collar? Does he show malice? And I get what Chaka Hislop's saying here, that you going with your cleats or your studs and that it looks more of a red card, where this has got very little violence, it's more of a hold. I don't think he wants to strangle him, I think he wants to hold him. And therefore, is this what we call violent? But under what we give given as referees, anything above the net towards the head is always going to be given as a red card.
1: So Mark, why isn't the referee shown every possible what? angle?
7: I think what we do with VAR, and this is what, one of the weaknesses of VAR, and sometimes as a referee, we've got to say to the, to the VAR, show me 10 seconds before and five seconds after. Because if you show me one second before, and you show Casemiro, just grabbing the shirt or the, the collar or the throat, we're gonna give an automatic red card, 100%. But you don't see the full picture, of What's actually happened
4: here? Look think... at his throat. What are we talking about? Look at him. <laughs> you can't see his neck. You cannot see. We'll use his neck. And do you know why? Because Casemiro's got two hands around it. <laughs> so, how many angles do you need? How, what's yeah, all this? I never showed him another angle.
7: What you need to see a, in this game? I think this is what the com- inconsistency is. There, there was other things in this melee. That somebody else had another grab, so we're just for one hand and not mm-hmm. two hands. Mm-hmm. We've got to say, are we going to be consistent as referees and VRS? Because in this game, it wasn't consistent to what Casemiro had. I believe in the laws of the game, Casemiro should be sent off 100%. Oh, yeah. But what I see as VAR and the referees, I would like to see the full aftermath before and after to allow me to judge What I've just seen.
6: What about you, Mario? No, I, I, I don't like to say it, but Mark, I will be on your side because I feel it. And Mark would not take that much time. Listen, guys, don't get tricked. Eh? Mark would not take that much time. He will give pull a red card. He didn't even go to Friar. My time, <laughs> Ryan was so quick. He would just look at me. He would like, you couldn't even
2: say anything to him. No, he
6: said, he's oh, my God. Mark, you will even take that second to look. <laughs> give the red card win. I would say Ryan. right
1: a red for you. OK, we've got a double yellow and they're sending off next because we're going to go back to that Spurs-City game. Obviously, Spurs got the win, but they ended the game with 10 men because Christian Romero was sent off. We're going to go for the yellow on Haaland. This was the first yellow. What did you make of it, Mark?
7: <laughs> oh, 100%. This is no doubt. You're going in at speed. It's not a red card because he doesn't go in with his studs, but he uses his body, he slides in. And for me, this is a storm wall yellow
4: card. <laughs> Stevie's twitching around. He's yeah. dancing in his chair. How, how well. late do you have to be to get a red? Yeah. <laughs> how late? You, I tell you what, we come on here and we get all these things thrown at us. Well, if it's reckless and it's endangering your opponent, then it's a red. Please explain what part of this is not reckless and doesn't endanger Haaland. Forget the studs. But, he just, that, the fact that he didn't use his studs, he was fortunate. It's nothing to do that he didn't try and stud him. He absolutely went for him. was was so late that it was frightening. So I don't see how it's not red.
7: But are we are we now saying every challenge now, if we're going to go into challenges, we're going to give a red card because then we're going to end up with this beautiful game that we have where we're just going no, to go I'm red not. card, red I- card.
4: No, Mark. Come I'm not back. saying that at all. Nobody, <laughs> you, there is nobody can can explain to me that Romero's has gone for the ball. There is there's absolutely okay. you can't you can't put a, a you can't put a case together that Romero's has gone for the ball. You can't because he's so he's so late. There's no way possible that he's gone for the ball. He's absolutely lined him up and he's taken him out. And normally if you've got and normally if you're a good player and you're really smart, you actually either get the ball and you take him, or you just miss the ball and you take him. And then you give it one of them. Oh, I just missed it. Oh it's a yellow. <laughs> In this case, he is absolutely hundred percent gone for him. He's got nowhere near the ball. It's reckless and hundred percent endangers Haaland. I just don't see how it's not a red mark.
7: But I love the word that you use, reckless, because if you use the word laws of the game and you use the word reckless, then it's a yellow card. What I look at when I look for a red card hey. challenge... No, no, Steve, look at it. If we use the word reckless, it's a yellow. What I look for in a red card challenge is, has he endangered the safety of the opponent? No. Has he, has he gone in with his studs above the angle? Has he gone in with force? No. Has he gone in with speed? Yes. So not everything ticks what we class as a red card. So I've got to sometimes stick up for a referee sometimes and go, I followed certain criteria that were guidelines, with guidelines. I can't see this as a red card. It's a clear what we class is a reckless challenge, and therefore we would always issue the yellow so, card.
4: So just, just one last question. So you would take out endangerment, in your opinion, he didn't endanger Haaland with that challenge? Wait, Because no, you, no, no, you, no. you said that reckless is a yellow, I'll accept that, if that's the language referees use. What's endangerment? Is that a red or a yellow? And a, but then, and then, a you
7: th- what? then you look at Haaland, gets up immediately from the challenge, so therefore... Not his that fault. Type of challenge was a sliding challenge. Haaland hey. gets up, wants to protest... So we if I throw, throw an him. axe
4: at you and miss, <laughs> <laughs> if I throw an axe at your head and miss it, what was that Is that yellow? Because yeah, I if missed. you look
7: at the laws, <laughs> but if you look at the laws again, I go to two <laughs> foot, I go to two foot you, and I miss you. It's not a red card because I missed. It has to have the action of hitting you. Therefore, we class this challenge when you slide in with your legs. Your studs are law. It doesn't endanger
1: the safety of the opponent, 100% yellow. Mario and Shaka are going to be the tiebreaker here. Mario, are you going to agree with your best mate, Mark Klassenberg, here?
6: Oh, my best friend, I'm going to give him yes. I don't think it was dangerous enough for me to give more than a yellow. Because I think tackles in my time like this, no, you will not get, no. Levels of danger. Are you going to
1: turn your back on your mate Stevie, Shaka? (laughs)
6: Levels of danger. No, he's not diving in. Look at the diplomat. He's late. He's Um, late.
2: In every effort. That's a red.
7: That's
6: that's a yellow card. So
2: far, so far, the only person who's not been sent off by Stevie is the guy who kicked the other one in the face.
1: If he'd have followed up and put his boot in his mouth, he'd have been fine.
2: No no wonder he wants to start throwing axes all of a sudden, Stevie. (laughs) (laughs) No. 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 That's a yellow. That's a yellow, Stephen. Yeah.
4: I think he's here, right. 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 No-one near him.
1: All right, well, (laughs) there you go. Uh, Thanks for coming on and joining us, Mark Clattenberg. Just taking a look here, though, because before you go, we want to get your thoughts on this. Vinicius Junior, it was a record 10 fouls in the game against Mallorca away. And we were just wondering if refs should be protecting star players here.
7: 100% because... When you see systematic fouling from one team and the highlight, it happens always the star players, it doesn't matter who it is, certain teams will target a certain player. They'll set one player in, then another player. Because the argument is that player, one player should be having to foul three or four times to get a yellow card, but persistent infringement. No, it should be systematic fouling from one team. And I used to say as a referee, once it happens two or three times on one player I would then bring the captain and one player inside and say look guys this is enough we've had enough fouling against one player therefore the next player even if it's your first foul it will end up as a yellow card so you're telling everybody that that's enough you can't have ten fouls against one player
4: Mark I was, I was thinking about this earlier yeah. and maybe you'll put me right because I couldn't remember 100% but was there not a few years ago was there not a consensus with referees that they were actually going to do what you're talking about that they said that you know, if, if there's somebody on one team who's getting fouled constantly and the opposition are taking it in turns basically after a certain level then regardless of whether it's your first foul or not you're getting the yellow card Basically, for for the team, did that was that not? Did they not come out? They, you know how every sometimes every start of a year they come out and say, right, we're going to keep an eye on this. Mm. Am I right in saying they did that one year in the Premier League?
7: Yeah, funny for the first time we've agreed tonight, Stevie, You've actually got something <laughs> that we agree with. <laughs> <laughs> it's, what you're saying is very correct. That it's not a rule change. It was more guidelines that we used to get as referees. That if star—not star players, but players who were influential in the game—that they wanted a foul, or certain teams wanted to stop, we needed to be aware as referees that we were now looking to watch. Therefore, we need to act and protect these type of players from players who just wanted a foul. So we needed to say. Two, three, four fouls. Enough. We needed, like I said before, to bring the captains in, bring the player in. Next one, we're going to issue a yellow card. So, Steve, you're 100 correct. We had the we had them guidelines three, four
2: years ago. See, I'm I'm in total agreement with Mark again on this. You can The referee has tools at his disposal to address this cards in his pocket to address exactly this. And it, you, it cannot be, well, all 11 players take a turn to kick,
3: <laughs>
2: kick, kick a player once and then protest Well, I only kicked him once. I mean, that just goes against common sense and, and natural justice, I guess you want to call it, of, of, of the game. And, and, and referees have to, do something, have to do something about it. And, and saying that, it's not as though they don't know it's going to happen. It's been happening to Venetias week in, week out. So something has to be done.
1: Yeah, uh, just a big conversation to whether referees should be protecting these star players. Thanks so much for joining us, Mark Klassenberg.
2: we finally got one for you and Stevie to agree on. <laughs> I know, and I feel can all rest easy now. Personally, no. personally
4: <laughs> I personally think it reflects badly on Mark. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: Blame, that. Blame the referee. I like what I like, I like like Mario said. Well, Marcus just used to send me off anyway. <laughs> yeah. Blame the referee always. Here is
1: La Liga's upcoming schedule this weekend. It all gets underway on Friday. Uh, Real Madrid will be back in action in La Liga against El Che next Wednesday, but every single game available on ESPN. FIFA the best shortlist. We've got some of the names slowly trickling through and we've stolen a bit of your music here. Chaka. Well, well, I'll be, um, <laughs> we've stolen a bit of the Power Rangers music. I'll be music. claiming royalties. FIFA has confirmed the final shortlist for the best coaches in the men's and the women's field and also the men's best goalkeeper as well, Guardiola Scaloni and Ancelotti. I mean, we've, we've played the music. There's going to be a lot more talk about this going forward. We know Craig... Hey, can't hey can't that's where we are. Here we are.
2: Oh, can we go back to that little <laughs> bit? Ah. Ah, by the way, this is the Valentine's Day edition. Okay. So I'm showing a lot of love to Brighton, to Porto, who are in Dortmund, are in Berlin, are in Marseille. Marseille, who beat PSG, they they lost, but then they beat PSG in the cup, so they got a little bump. Galatasaray. Yeah, fourth in the world. Galatasaray have lost one game all season long, as as have Benfica. Top, top of their respective leagues. And then, um, to, to that point, the teams that are out, Arsenal, Arsenal have lost two in a row, albeit one against City with a weakened team. City, they, they lose to Spurs after beating them a few weeks ago, so they're out. Leipzig drop points. Newcastle and Man you are out after after they drop points as well. So, it's... I think,
4: I think you could argue about some of the decisions, right? Mm-hmm. But the one thing that sticks out This is not a galactical list, is
2: it?
1: It's a Valentine's Day list, apparently. Let's be
2: honest. Well, you know me, Stephen, I'm fair and partial. There's there's no big lads in there at all.
4: So, Union Berlin and Galatasaray and Brighton. Last week he tried
1: to get away with putting two teams that are in a final together as one Newcastle slash Manchester United. He's promptly dropped them as well now. But they both drew. So they got dropped. I think you cursed Two them. Two for one. That's what I think.
2: <laughs> no, no, I didn't. Curse. Yeah, I think you did. You cursed anybody?
1: Mario, what do you make of his list? He
2: loves it. That'll be a force. <laughs> I mean, look, yeah, it, <laughs> he, he loves it. He definitely just say he loves it, Mario.
6: No, I, I'm just happy that you put Napoli in there. You know, I think Napoli is the one that makes the big surprise for me too, because the way they're performing now in Italy. If you didn't mention them, I would have taken care of your list, but you put that on the top, so I have to allow you to be you. Oh, yes, see? he's too yeah.
1: kind. He's too kind for what? you. Hey. He's got.
6: What a, what, a <laughs> lo- what a lovely bunch you all are. <laughs> you
2: kid could have put Napoli at the top of that list.
4: <laughs>
1: no, Napoli were, Napoli were yeah,
4: top last me. week. Napoli Great. were
2: top <laughs> last <laughs> week. Napoli have been top for for some time now. Are you, Napoli su- yeah. were top are last you
1: suggesting week. his son puts his pile rankings together and not the algorithm?
4: Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) These
1: guys are going to be answering your questions on the latest edition of Extra Time. And you can always stay up to date with all of these Extra Times over on our YouTube page. (laughs) Let's take a look at how Cristiano Ronaldo is doing, shall we? It turns out it is very well. 21st minute for El Nasser against al Alveda. Gets into the box and scores
4: (sighs) 1-0. It's a good strike, it's a good little run, it's a good little ball. Chat. So the goal not have to do better. No, no,
2: it's just too fast. Even. I mean, come on. Just too well hit. Come on.
1: Listen, it was a brilliant game for Cristiano Ronaldo. 40th minute, makes it two.
2: Running in behind the defence, Ronaldo, showing the defender a clean pair of heels. Nice ball to pick him out. And this is a nice little finish against Stephen. I know Stephen will be upset about it for some reason or the other. No, no. That's just it. wonderful finishing.
4: Correct. I'm with you on right, that right, one.
1: Okay. Gets a penalty. Oh. You usually know the script here.
4: He's always oh. been good from 12 yards. Ah, yeah, I mean, really, you, I... You, you just can't back against him there, can you?
1: And this was to be the fourth.
2: Oh... It's, it's it's good to see Ronaldo running in behind defences. Make what you like of the defences, but at least he's doing that.
1: Anyway, it was a very special four goals because it took his side to the top of the table, but it also took him over 500 career league goals. You can see the breakdown here. Scoring 503 in five different leagues as well. That is why the smile is back on this man's face. Great to see oh, that's, that's why. That's again. why?
2: Well, you've all you've all actually been
1: be nice be about someone. Is why I'd be <laughs> join us this weekend for plenty of Bundesliga. We've got full wraparound coverage on two of those games being played at the same time on Saturday morning. Bayern and Dortmund both in action against Bochum and Bremen. Make sure to join us for that. Every other game available as well on ESPN Plus. Well, thank you so much for being with us on the latest edition of ESPN FC. Stick around, though, because these guys are going to be answering your questions on Extra Time right now. Do
4: you know what I was thinking? We are thinking.
1: Welcome in to the latest edition of Extra Time.
4: Kay's going, oh, Ronaldo's scored in five different leagues. I've scored in three different leagues. Premier League, English League and Non-League. That's not five. It's three, though. What about me? It's three, though. It's not bad. Don't be trying
1: to steal Ronaldo's <laughs> thunder. I'm just
4: saying, st- stats. You can bend stats whatever way you want them. Just saying. So you've
1: got in how many Lee?
4: Three. He's oh, got in many, two more. How than many goals? How many goals? <laughs> well, there was only one in the other two.
0: <laughs>
4: three. I've <laughs> scored <laughs> three goals <laughs> and <laughs> three
2: leagues.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, two of them. Two of them, but there was one. <laughs> two of them was one goal.
2: <laughs>
4: oh. I told you. That's why stats are deceiving.
1: How, right? how have you made this about you? On a special page for Cristiano just, Ronaldo. Just,
4: it was the first thing that came into my head when you said. Ronaldo scored in five different leagues. So,
2: and I thought, no, you know what? No, no, do you know what? In no, case defence, what she says is, Ronaldo scored 500 league goals in five yeah. leagues. And all you can th- think of... No, well, I, that's not what I, K K said. I scored four goals in I'll tell,
4: th- tell you what, I'm getting my CV out, and I'm going to put on it, <laughs> scored in three different leagues as well. I mean, just, and just hope that nobody I mean, asked to We were just showing the
1: breakdown of the goals. That's
4: yeah, all. Yeah, you didn't, you didn't do that. You said... He scored them five different leagues, correct? Yeah, he did. <gasps> Thank you. Five I said two more than three. three. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
1: Oh, <laughs> Mario Melchior is with us as well. Most of you will have seen yesterday's extra time. It involved making fun of Jan who took part in a race where he was chased by a human fish.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Then Craig and Shaka decided to do a reenactment of it. Craig was Jan. Uh-huh. Shaka was the shark or the yeah. fish?
2: Oh, was some kind of fish. We're still not quite sure what fish it was. It was clearly a fish, though. It was a fish. I could see it was if, a fish.
1: If you didn't see... it Let
2: me tell you something.
5: <laughs> why,
2: does,
4: why, why does Jan run bent over?
2: He's <laughs> <laughs> <Is that> running? <laughs> There's the, <laughs> the fish on the You <laughs> <laughs> say what? He's running like a fish. <laughs> 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 Let me tell you. If that race, was 10 metres more, the fish would have passed him. <laughs> <laughs> no, no,
0: no. Okay, yeah,
2: everybody's home already. Jan's yeah, just coming in.
0: Oh <laughs> my god. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. We, we
1: had to show you that because the first question tonight says, who would actually win a foot race?
2: Stevie. <laughs> Hang
3: on, me I, I can't even
2: get it out. Stevie. <laughs> Yan,
0: yeah, or know. the fish that was
1: chasing Yan in a foot race <laughs> in Norway.
0: hallway <laughs> uh, <ooh.
2: laughs> <laughs> you've got to beat Yan. Can you? you? I'd
4: have to. I'd have to say, yeah.
7: Even yeah. I could yeah. beat Jan. Yeah. Well, the,
4: the fish clearly didn't beat Jan. <laughs> Right? Right, aye. I mean, it won't farm, it won't farm but right? Yeah, well, yeah. It turned, yeah. Ten more metres. I, I reckon I'm definitely faster than a fish. <laughs> okay. I've got to be faster than Jan. I mean, Jan doesn't even straighten up. It started I, I, I... like that and ran like that. But
2: <laughs> oh not me. Gotta that, that, be me. That question was asked yesterday, whether you'd be, you'd be Jan... And and we come to the conclusion that the insurance company
6: would you uh, Steve, <laughs> Steve you be Young man. Steve, if you don't beat young man, the way Jan was running, I could have lunch, I could have breakfast and I'd be already at the finish line. <laughs> because... <laughs> You're gonna stop cooking fish? (laughs) I (laughs)
2: said (laughs) be young. Oh my god, I cook the Uh, fish, I do everything. Ah, goodness. Nearly
1: every question today was about this. But Mario, have you ever seen that running style from a former professional player? Oh, I'm
6: (laughs) running. did you see running? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I thought he was was speed walking, so it looked to be like speed
2: walking. I <laughs> was Michael Johnson-esque. OK, we're to <laughs> Michael Johnson. I do, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, could be, yeah. he could run past a fish.
1: Do D- D- Jan's knees even bend?
2: No. <laughs> no. Right, Jan I'm was trying to run like Michael Johnson. I'd love to <laughs> see oh. a split oh. Yeah. screen. Oh, my that to whoever is out there. Jan and D- Michael Jan Johnson guy. split screen.
1: One and the same. Stevie, it feels like Nunez has been pretty unfairly maligned this season. He's yes. missed shots, but he's still scoring decently and the motor's there. Gakpo has yet to score or have a goal involvement. Is he just not ready for the EPL or is he hurt more by the poor squad?
4: Gakpo, yes. Yes to which one? (laughs) Both. (laughs) There's no... You know, Nunes is is doing one thing that Mo Salah's not doing. He's actually putting it on target. I mean, Mo Salah can't can't hit the target right now. So I I agree 100%. For some reason, Nunez is is getting an awful lot of attention that I, I just honestly don't think he deserves. As far as Gakpo, anybody that anybody that goes into a side that is struggling as much as Liverpool is, I don't care who you are, you're going to struggle to do well. You know, he's he's had some decent runs and some decent dribbles. But he's, he's really he's really not had a chance to shine, you know, because let's be honest, who has shown for Liverpool? There's not there's not really a player that you can turn around and say, well, you know what, the team's not doing well, but mm. they're, they're all on the same boat. They're all struggling.
1: Not an easy time for Gakpo to be in at Liverpool, right, Mario?
6: No, definitely. You know, like um, they also talk about it in Holland and. Um, Gakpo comes out of a team where everything was comfortable, right? Coming for PSV, he was the captain, he was leading the line, he was in charge. Now he comes to a Liverpool side that is clearly not performing, just like Greg said. You know, the star guy, what is on that side is, you know, it's Salah. He's not doing what people expected him to do because he's been doing it for so long, comfortability, and he was bringing it to the team and now he's struggling. And now... Gakpo is watching him or he's watching all the other guys around him and he has to bring something spark something and he no I think Gakpo this is not um, it's just a sad moment for him so hopefully something changed for him because if not whew, it could be a tough journey did, did you call Stevie Craig there Mario? Yes, sorry, I said the wrong name. <laughs> no, no, no just, <laughs> it's it's I did. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, I it's a mistake hey, easily TV, made. TV, hey, Mario, I give you, I give you I make that mistake all the time. I don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't, know who's
4: going to be more upset with that. To be honest with
6: you. Oh yeah, I'm going to
2: be close. It's an understandable. I, 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 but, if you see them run, you have no
7: idea.
2: who's who. You have no idea.
7: But you had to say that that's Saka because Saka had to bring that up because to making sure that it was delivered properly. Okay,
0: sorry guys. is <laughs> <laughs> a on
1: trick purpose. on this show. Yeah. <sighs> Drop bench or start? Rashford, Foden and Saka.
2: Oh goodness me. Oh. Right now? Ooh. Right now. Right now, Rashford is a player in form. Yes. So start Rashford, bench Saka. Ben Saka sell phone.
1: Well, you can just drop him. You don't have to sell him. Oh, oh, <laughs> we're, 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 oh, oops. oh no. you might as well
0: keep. Good,
1: you might as well keep yeah. that talent. In your he may, he may, yeah. Yeah. On. Can I, I, I bench both? <laughs> it, do you agree?
6: Oh 100 percent. Yeah, Mario, yeah. you
1: agree?
6: I would. I would keep. Saka. I would suck, uh, let him play and uh, let Foden uh, sit for a minute. Mm. So he's doing what? We do that what? again.
1: Are well, bringing so he's starting. He's calling you, Craig. I, no, you, no, I, you know. Oh,
6: no, 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 because you guys changed it, right? You want Foden to, to, like, Rashford starts, yeah. and then yeah. you put on the bench, yeah, and then you 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 put on the bench Foden, right? Am I right? No, bench sucker, self-foden. Yeah. Cell self-foden. OK, yeah, I'm agreeing with him. Sorry, I said, right. I said yeah. Yeah, I'm
1: agreeing. Uh, he was also agreeing with Mark Clattenberg on today's <laughs> Sorry, show. Sorry, guys. About the so, I compliment. You... Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
6: yeah. I'm not
2: sure who Mario's agreeing with. <laughs> I'm like... Ah. <laughs> 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 yeah, whatever. <it> is, <laughs> somebody. somebody.
1: <laughs> Derek Ray said Uba hired a voice coach to train his vocal cords to help him <sighs> shout better on the
4: pitch. What's a lot of rubbish.
1: What's the strangest yeah. pre-match rituals the guys have come across?
2: <laughs> oh, oh! Oof. Shira I I used us to wear. Shira used to. So players would wear little um, socks under, under, under there. Team socks, and Shira would wear some kind of cartoon character. It was so funny. That was his lucky socks. Uh, it was so good. It, it was. It was. It was it's, I, I, let's be honest. They. They, they were very lucky. Yeah, they, it's, it's, not, it's not Shira who was good as his socks was really good.
1: Probably stinking and all. Well, <laughs> well
4: pretty much goalkeeper. Grobola. Every home game, and he tried to, he started doing it away, but the coaches stopped him. He had to get a ball, and he'd be a certain distance away, and he would just drop kick it and try and put the light out. And he wouldn't do anything else until he did it. Well, what light out? In the dressing room. Really? So he'd be through in the shower, and, and at home, he'd be through in the shower, right? So the, so the light switch for the shower room, he would be sitting, I don't know, five yards away, six yards away, like, dropping it and half falling it, and he'd be there. And he, he wouldn't he wouldn't do anything else until he did it. <laughs> and then he started doing it away from home. And, of course, the first time we lost, right. Ronnie went up to him and said, <laughs> None of that. Don't you ever do that again away from home? But he kept doing it at home. So but what, but <laughs> away from home, he wouldn't want to. Did he have it. to
1: get a, a little bit earlier then?
4: I, I just started. Didn't he just doing that half falling it? it till it he happen? knocked the light out no. and he wouldn't do anything else. He wouldn't.
1: What about you, Mario? What, what's the strangest ones you've seen or done? Well,
6: the strangest ones I've done. I, I, I really, I, I can't. Yeah, I mean. <sighs> I, I, I'm struggling I'm really struggling because I, I really don't know I think when I came to England what was strange oh yeah <laughs> the guys going to and I will not go really deep into it but uh, the restroom the door had to stay open because they were scared of being claustrophobic and I was like what is this guys come on shut the door and they, they would leave it open. Because they felt claustrophobic. And it was for me... As oh. I was, I came to England when I was 21, 22. I, it was the strangest thing, but apparently there was some of the, the guys at Chelsea, <laughs> they needed it.
4: Ron, Ronnie Whelan used to throw up for every game. Home and away. Home and away. And, we, and you could... Threw
1: nerves or make himself?
4: Well, he must have done it. I think what happened was he did it a couple of times ill in his first couple of games because he was nervous, but then he got it in his head that he had to do it. So after uh, before every game, home and away, and of course we were all set because he would get his he would get his shorts on, he'd get his socks on, and then he'd get the 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 program and he'd make <laughs> his way whatever whether it was home or away. And of course everyone would go like shh, like right, shush, and then we'd all just shush, and then all you'd hear is. Whoa! and we go, <laughs> I Hope
3: you're not watching
4: us
1: with a meal today or tonight. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy it. Oh. For, yeah. Next one's for Stevie. For Stevie, since you travelled a lot during your football career, which country or city did you look forward to visiting the most during away games?
0: Oh.
4: Mm. Well, we never actually stayed anywhere when we played away. As in... Yeah. You know, we'd... We'd... we'd, we'd you know, European games, we'd go, we'd go on the Monday, train the Tuesday, play the Wednesday, and come straight back after the game. Yeah. So we never actually did anything. Mm-hmm. Same with same way during the season, Premier League games, we'd we'd get on the bus on a Friday, play the game on a Saturday, and get back on the bus Saturday night. So it was either. I I, yeah, I, I mean, think that's I mean, we never really, as far as football was concerned, we always got back.
2: I I think that's the story for for all footballers, in in all honesty. You you have these exotic stamps in your passport, but a hotel room is a hotel room wherever you go. A football stadium is a football stadium wherever you go. And generally, as TV says, you fly in, you go to the hotel, you go from hotel to stadium and back a couple of times for training and then the game, and then you're off. You don't don't spend much time.
1: I I suppose maintaining that focus, as you were, is why you were able to score in three different leagues. Yes,
2: that's right. That's right. You're correct. Yes. And, and, and your pre-game routine was key to, to all key. all those goals in all those leagues. Yes. So it takes no, a good did man that, to maintain. Did you, guys,
6: did you guys have some sponsor trips too? Because sometimes at the end of the season, didn't your team sometimes have to tell you, like, OK, got to take a trip, and you didn't like it, but you have to join anyway. Because we had to do that at Ajax sometimes. Hated it. Hated it. No, that's, but that's, you that's, have to that's, do that's, it anyway. Uh, that's, that's... See, the
4: problem we had, Mario, is wherever we were invited, we never got invited back.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: no. 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 Wait,
4: because
2: you No, You have you, one you player knocking did. out all the lights, yeah. you have another player yeah. throwing up everywhere
1: okay. he goes, we expect But, but even <laughs> no. so Mario, when you were playing, if you did you ever get to see anywhere other than that awful end yes. of season trip that you didn't want to do and where did you like?
6: Okay, all the other stuff, I agree with the guys because Champions League, Premier League, all that stuff and even your national team, we have a program, you don't see anything. But when it came to Ajax, I remember the end of the season was a little bit before I joined Chelsea. We did a trip. We went to Brazil, Argentina and Chile. In, t- in 10 days, I think we did that. And we had to play in each country a game. But this was the rule, what, what uh, Van Gaal gave us. He said, on the day of the game, everybody follows a structure. Anything away from that, you can do what you want. Oh, my God, I've never seen, I've never played a game where I saw people drunk in the game.
0: <laughs> it was incredible.
6: <laughs> I, was, I was like, I'm a young boy and I'm just about to go to Chelsea and I'm seeing those guys drunk in the game because I, I, I'm also the one that doesn't drink and I'm looking at them and say, what's up? They go, Mario, I feel so bad. And, you know, the guys that felt bad in the game, them where they were, they were at, the, at night, when we were done uh, having our dinner, they were the first... Ready to go out again every night. Oh my God, it was incredible. But it was a trip. I did that the South American trip. I never forget that journey. I'd probably I probably went
2: say, to Egypt. I'd... I did right. Egypt with the. Well, this wasn't. This was really turned out to be a national team. That was. I mean, we, we, we couldn't go to Egypt and not visit visit the pyramids. And, and we went and spent a few hours down there. That was. That was incredible. I was,
4: I'd probably say Portugal is the country I've been to the most. Gone back. With teams and holidays with kids, and, and yet you weight.
1: still don't want to respect Cristiano Ronaldo on such an amazing achievement today—the most famous. But he's scored teams. in two
4: more leagues than Stevie. Yeah, he's only scored in two more leagues than me.
1: <laughs> Just remember, when you hear the news that Cristiano Ronaldo has scored in five different leagues, Stevie before him scored in three. That's it for the latest yeah. edition of Extra Time. We have updated Stevie Nicholls' bio now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow! Yeah,
5: there you go, you're talking.
4: There you're talking. <laughs> three, yeah. The, yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> three. You're ah. three. Yes. three. Yes.
1: Stevie Nichols, got in three different leagues, and don't forget it. We'll be back tomorrow to do this all over again. <laughs> Thanks for being with Just us. don't ask
4: how many.
7: <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs>